welcome to episode 8 of Messy Action, a podcast about transforming through travel. Now, before I get into introducing today's guest, I have a little announcement. I am going to pause my podcast for a little bit. Um, I have a lot of things going on in my business, um, in my job, so I want to focus on that and then come back to this later this year. And I have a lot of really fun, unique ideas for when I come back, so stay tuned for all that fun. And if you want to be the first to know when I come back with this, with this podcast, then um, you can sign up for my newsletter, which is linked in the show notes. All right. Now, today's guest is Gina Carlisle. Gina has lived like nine lives. She basically grew up in in Greece. She spent most of her summers in Greece with her family. She also worked and lived on a cruise ship and saw pretty much the entire world. She has lived on St. Thomas and St. Martin, and she's now in Hawaii. So there's clearly an island theme that you'll hear about. Um, Yeah, Gina's great. So please have a listen and I hope you enjoy. But you look great anyway. I mean, I suppose it would be fine, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so a little introduction. This is Gina. Gina and I know each other through the BRB Building a Resilient Business program that uh, two weeks ago, Stephanie, the, the owner or the person that facilitates that, she was a guest. So, um, yeah, I'm just going through, going through the BRB group here. (laughs) Um, so yeah, we've gotten to know our businesses very well, but Gina, do you want to kind of give your little spiel on your business and everything? Sure. So my business is called Gina Cargyle and, um, it's, transformational healing. Basically I do, I would call it mind, body and spirit healing with people through neuroscience with things like trauma model therapy and NLP, as well as internal family systems and hypnotherapy. And um, really just doing just deep inner healing with people. You know, I don't do, what I would call old school hypnotherapy, which is a lot of me talking and a person listening, more like guided visualizations. I do, it's conversational, but most sessions I have people close their eyes and go within and sort of I untangling the threads of like, if you're having a, something that's going on right now, there's like a knot and there's a thread that sort of runs through your body and down through your past. And there's a lot of little knots along the way that have caused this current knot, whether it's stuckness or anxiety or depression or whatever it is. And so I kind of see the process as helping people to go sort of back in time because it really is 
deeply visualizing going back and being with the younger versions of ourselves that have experienced these things and untying those knots so things can kind of start to loosen up so that today things can be, you know, more joyful and peaceful and happy. <laughs> and I do uh, video and phone sessions with people. I have clients all over on the mainland. I'm in Hawaii, so on the mainland and a couple in Europe as well. I love that um, kind of analogy with the the ball and the string and everything, the knot and the string. Um, that's like a good visualize visualization of what's happening in our body. <laughs> yes. And I like to create a lot of visualizations with people because our subconscious actually processes things visually more than it does with words. Words are conscious visual images and visual representations and memories and all of that is more subconscious and that's what I'm working with. So I've probably adopted <laughs> ways of helping people to understand what I do through visual representations. And do you do, um, what's it called? Pa past life regression? Is that what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, past life regression. Yeah, sure. There's a, you know, we do past life regression and also there's um, something people are talking quite a bit right now, sort of um, genetic trauma that's been passed down from, you know, through our parents. So a traumatic experiences that happened maybe with our parents or with their parents or with other people in our family lineage. And, you know, we are genetically and you know when we're born into a family there can be unprocessed traumas from three generations ago mm -hmm. and we carry certain fears or um, expectations within us that can cause problems with us today but we don't realize that it's actually you know something that our grandmother went through um, and then past life would be more like if we lived like if a piece of our soul came in and lived has lived different lifetimes. So I ask people, you know, to go back to the root of the current situation, the current problem. And sometimes, you know, most of the time people go to their own childhood, but once I've been working with someone for a while, they might have, they might start having scenes and seeing things of lifetimes that aren't their lifetime. And we still do the same thing. We just heal that lifetime and that situation um, or heal what happened to their great grandmother. And uh, then they feel relief in the current current day. Wow, that's fascinating to like, well, <laughs> have you ever read the book, um, Many Lives, Many Masters? That was the book that set me on this whole journey. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. The first thing I became certified in was hypnosis. And it was because somebody gave me that book and I found it fascinating and was like, hmm, I'd like to do yeah. that. So yeah, I, I just read it. Yeah. That was like in the 90s. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just read it like last year <laughs> and my mind was blown. Like the, I mean, I don't know, is that situation that the the doctor in that book with his patient is that something that's normal that like that kind of like all of those past life like all the details and stuff is that is that common to come out in hypnosis i have not found it to be that common i find that people mostly go to their childhood or to their you know like when we go 
back and look at what the current problem is, the current, I know she had a lot of phobias, the women in the, the, the patient in the book had a lot of phobias. Um, and I have found more, more frequently that it's um, something that is, you know, from their childhood, but even those things can be sort of, they can be sort of connected to um, past life things or genetic traumas. So, but it's not something I'm not, most people don't just pop, pop into a past life. And the people that do, um, they typically have already done a lot of the, their own childhood healing. Mm. And then they start going into deeper places. Wow. I want to, yeah. that's what I found just from my little sample. Yeah. I want to, <laughs> I want to do that. I want to get into my past life stuff. <laughs> okay. Can you help me with that? <laughs> Sure, sure. We can specifically do that, you know, because I'm actually, actually, also actually sort of guiding people into their own, what their own experience was, right? And so I can frame it differently to get just really curious and to go really deep and see if you can explore something mm. um, that happened in, in a past life. Yeah, I know. I would be so curious to, to see what I allow myself to bring up if anything, from mm -hmm. past lives. Yeah. Right. And I'm kind of curious, yeah. like, what yeah. what was I doing in my past lives? Where was I? Who was I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, these are the big questions of, the, yeah. of, of life. <laughs> I love these questions. I love them. And I, that's why I love doing what I do, because I get to just explore these things with people. Mm. And it's so fun. Oh. Cool. So do you do, you can do hypnosis over like a video call, like you don't have to be right there with them? It's actually, yeah. So the way that I do, I, I had an office for several years and then during COVID, um, I was actually in between offices. I was going to, I had just finished up at one place and was looking into another place to open up and then COVID happened. And I said, well, let's just switch everybody to phone. And I had started working with people on phone because people were referring, you know, I was here in Hawaii and people were referring their friends on the mainland. So I had started with some people by phone. So now what I do is first session that I'm meeting somebody, we do a video session like Zoom. And that's a lot of also, you know, just A, so we can know what each other looks like. And then I get a, a, a background, right? A history of how a person grew up. And then I say, put your headphones in, get on your couch with a blanket because it's actually better than me sitting here staring at you while you have your eyes closed. I think people are more comfortable to doing it by phone. And I, 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 I love it. You know, I can sort of, I've, I think become a little bit attuned to, you know, people's breath and how, you know, what, what they're, where they are. Um, and so m most sessions, I'd say people have their, eyes closed for a good 30 to 40 minutes of the session. Mm -hmm. And then they're also often releasing, you know, they're crying and then they can do that without somebody, you know, being there looking mm -hmm. at them. Yeah. And they're in their own space. And... Yeah. They're in their own space. Exactly. Sometimes I even help people to get a little angry. So I might have them start 
punching the air or, you know, um, you know, make a fist and start punching the couch that they're sitting on because they need to move stuck anger, need to move stuck sadness and stuck anger. So I think people can make whatever kind of look they want to have on their face and there's nobody looking at them, but I'm also right there with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, well, yeah. maybe I'll schedule yeah. a session with you soon. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'd love that. <laughs> um, okay, so the story today is, is this your Greece story or stories? Sure, yeah, we could talk about that. Or, you know, what did, yeah. what did you want to talk about? <laughs> You're the guest. No, that's fine. That, yeah, no, that works. That's, that okay. works. Yeah, yeah, you can um, yeah. Yeah, set, set the scene for us and just go right into it. <laughs> okay, okay. So the scene is going to take us like all the way back to the 1960s. Oh, great. <laughs> because it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just go way back. Um, it starts with my dad. So he grew up in Athens, Greece and wanted to be an exchange student to the United States. So for his senior year of high school, he was sent to a farm in Nebraska, which I think was probably a really cool experience for him. He loved it. And then he came back and to go to college. So he was here, he went to college, he met my mom during that time. They ended up moving back to Greece for four years. And then they came back to the States to settle down, you know, have kids and stuff like that. So they had my brother and I, and um, they really wanted us to stay deeply connected to my dad's family. And so his parents were still in Greece. One of his sisters had moved to the States, but his other sister was still in Greece. And um, she had two kids that were the, essentially the same age as my brother and I. So most, almost every summer, we would go to Greece just to like, you know, just to go be with our grandparents and be with our cousins. It just happened to be in Greece. And um, my uncle that my aunt was married to, he was from the island of Mykonos. So that's where we would spend most of the summers. They had a, a, a house in Mykonos and we would go there and just hang out. And, you know, Mykonos is such a beautiful place and it's such a huge tourist destination now and it's changed so much and I haven't even been there in the last 12 years and I know it's changed so much since then but back then it was it was a tourist destination back then as well but it was quiet we lived not in the main town by the ocean we lived sort of up in the hills and there were a lot of families that had family homes there and it was so quiet there was we didn't have, we, there was like one small transistor radio. We usually had one game. Like I remember one summer we had pickup sticks. Do you even know what that is? <laughs> no, I've heard it, but I don't it's, know what it is. It's literally a game of sticks, <laughs> little colored sticks. And you would, there's like, I don't know, 40 of them or something and they're like a foot long and you would just drop them on the table and then you had to move pull out a stick without the other sticks moving and that was the only game we had for an entire summer I think another summer we had Monopoly Greek Monopoly and um yeah and but there was no TV there was no music <laughs> except the Greek radio um 
and we would there was a donkey um and in the yard and there were feral cats and kittens mm -hmm. so we would try to play with those the ladies the old ladies that lived across the street had some chickens and chicks so we would go try to play with them and then we'd go to the beach and then at night we would go to the village which was fantastic because it was like six restaurants and little shops all built in a circle around the circle that was in the middle where there was a little periptero which is like a little stand that has maggot that sells magazines and cigarettes and sodas and ice cream and gum and candy and there was a little play structure so the parents would go sit and hang out and talk and drink all night and the kids could just play. So there was a lot of, there was a group of kids whose families went there every summer. So we would just play. And then as we got older, we would go, there was a small hotel nearby and it had a bar with some music. So as we got to be like in junior high and high school, we would all just go hang out at that bar and dance and, you know, just what do what teenagers do, you know, walk around and, drink beer <laughs> and it was legal we could you know so it was it was a really cool experience to get to go and do that and my parents kind of sacrificed as much as they could to help us be able to have that experience because they both worked so once we got into elementary school one parent would fly over with us and take their two-week vacation and then they would leave us with our cousins and then the other parent would fly back at the end of the summer to take their two-week vacation and to fly home with us oh, wow. and then yeah and then eighth grade was the first year that i went by myself and i think i went for two months the summer between eighth and ninth grade mm. um and i remember being really homesick but yeah do you but it was because it was so quiet <laughs> <laughs> do you did you become fluent in Greek or are you fluent in Greek? I wish I was more fluent. So what when I was young I was fluent. Actually when I when I was really little my parents had just returned from Greece and my mom had become fluent and so they only spoke Greek to me. But then apparently they sent me to preschool and the teachers didn't like that I spoke Greek and they told my parents that it was bad for me oh. to, for them to speak another language to me. Um, and so they stopped. And then in the summers when we would go back up until about probably third or fourth grade, all the cousins, we all did speak Greek together, but then my cousins had to learn English in school. Mm. I think you have to learn English and then you also do a second, a third language as well. And because of that, their parents said they had to speak English to us. Mm. So then we just, so they could practice their English because <laughs> it was a requirement for them to be good in English. And there was no requirement for us to be good in Greek. Yeah, it was frowned upon. So <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. People and, and I, a lot of the kids liked to practice their English around us. And then I did end up going back and doing an exchange program in Greece um, to go to college my first half of my junior year. And I worked in a bar and, you know, lived there, right? I went to an American school, but lived, you know, in an apartment and became, I remember becoming pretty fluent at that point. But since then, I've just lost it. Um, I can understand, you know, like just 
basic conversation with people around us, but I'm also kind of shy about speaking Greek. So I just this last year downloaded Rosetta Stone so I could start practicing. So I, you know, I'll sit there and like talk to my phone when I have to repeat the things that it says to say and in practice, because next time I go back, I want to be fluent and I want to feel comfortable and I want to be able to, you know, help my family navigate. And um, yeah, so my grandmother, my grandparents never, they didn't speak any English. So to speak to them, I had to, Hmm. I had to be fluent with them. Okay. Rosetta Stone. I feel like that's like the original, like, foreign language app except it wasn't an app <laughs> and we've yeah. gone to like duolingo and Babel. i didn't even know there was still a rosetta stone right <laughs> well you know the, the and the only reason that was the one i downloaded is because my brother has actually become quite fluent in greeks in greek and he has to he travels there for business quite often and goes to business meetings and i know that he is very fluent now and i asked him which one he because I knew you know I've heard of the others as well and I I asked him which one he uses and he said Rosetta Stone so I didn't even look at the others I was just like well I have a recommendation I will use that one cool I'm glad (laughs) to hear that it's still up and running (laughs) yeah um wow that's such a unique childhood to basically spend half of your time in in Greece like that do you think it kind of shaped who you are today? Yes, I think it shaped who I am in many ways. I think the most obvious one is my continued desire to move to an island. So, you know, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and went to college there. And then after college, um, just had no desire. My only desire was to go travel. So I got a job on cruise ships, which in a way is kind of like living on an island because yeah. <laughs> you're, it's a floating island, but it's definitely an island. And the first ship I was on went around the world and I lived on that one for almost a year. And then, the, and then I, after that, went down to the Caribbean and I worked on two cruise ships down there and then ended up, uh, jumping ship and staying and living in St. Thomas for about eight months and then went back to Oregon and then back down to the Caribbean and then met my husband who was living in St. Martin at the time. And I lived, yeah, St. Martin, St. Thomas first and then St. Martin. So I lived in St. Martin with him for almost another year. And then we moved back to Portland um, around the time that we were getting married and we put into place what we called our island plan, which was that we were going to, we wanted to be around family and childhood friends while our kids were little. We were gonna, this was before we got married, but our plan was to have kids. And then when they got to be, you know, elementary school age, that we would make our way back to an island. And the island that that ended up being was Oahu. So I think that's part of the way that it shaped it. is just always, you know, I was kind of happiest when I was in Mykonos. And so I just feel somehow at my core, happiest on an island, Um, right? And then the other thing that I noticed that shaped me is that I've been 
kind of obsessed with home exchanging for several years. Like I remember years ago looking at the early websites and it was when I lived in Portland and thinking, gosh, I love the idea of going somewhere and just staying and immersing myself in the culture of that place. Like it's always been something I've wanted to do. So finally in the last couple of years, we have started doing home exchanges and didn't realize that that was also another sort of like in trauma therapy, we call it a reenactment. Um, you know, another way that I am feeling what felt good as a child and wanting to recreate that in my current life. And I mean, I love going on vacations and just taking a couple of weeks to go somewhere, but then also to go somewhere. And I mean, and even the ones that we've done haven't even been anywhere, you know, exotic. We went to Northern California for a couple months and we went to Washington, DC. So but every place has its own culture, you know, it's different, you know, everywhere is different, right? So it was really fun to go and just my husband and I both work from home so we can just go and live our life in a different place. And it's really cool to experience that. But I didn't realize that it was some sort of childhood reenactment to do that until I heard myself saying it several times. Um, you know, telling people, I just really like to go somewhere and experience the culture and stay there for longer than just for, you know, a short vacation. And then I realized, oh, that's right. That I like to yeah. do that because of getting to do that with Mykonos growing up. So, yeah, I think those are two of the ways that that experience shaped me. Mm-hmm. And so to yeah. backtrack to when you were on a cruise ship, because I'm curious, what did you, what was your yeah. job on the cruise ships? Oh my gosh. I was the, the uh, cashier for the casino, oh. which I grad, you know, I went to college in Oregon. I had never stepped foot in a casino before, but so, and I was graduated from college and I was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And there was a book called how to get a job on a cruise ship in the career center at my college. And I was like, that's what I wanna do. I also think that felt familiar because my dad is an agent for cargo ships and my cousin owns large container ships. So there was also something about ships I think that attracted me because um, yeah, as an agent for cargo ships, these, these big ships that would be carrying weed or whatever would come into the Columbia River and the Pacific Ocean. And my dad would go and board those ships and take care of all of their like immigration things and all the things that a ship has to have taken care of when it comes into a port. So I was familiar. I had been on ships with my dad. And um, anyway, going and living on a cruise ship and traveling seemed like a great idea. And so I sent out, you had to, you know, send resumes to all these companies. And I got a job on a Greek, a Greek run cruise ship. (laughs) And there was, it was a small ship. There were only about 400 passengers and all of the officers and all the waiters and bartenders. And most of the men on the ship were Greek. And there were nine of us that worked in the casino and um, I was told later that I got the job on the cruise ship because I had lived in Greece mm. and they thought culturally that would be helpful. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I, yeah, I'd never been in a casino before. I'd never been on a cruise ship before joined the ship in Rome. Um, just, and then, 
you know, learned how to cash out chips and, and coins to people. And the ship was amazing. The crew was amazing. It was such a great experience because it was a world cruiser and we went different places. So unlike the Caribbean ships that I joined later, these this ship, I mean, I started in Rome. We spent the first six months doing, going everywhere, the Greek islands, Turkey, Portugal, Morocco, Israel, you know, the Black Sea, um, all of places in the Mediterranean. And then we went through the Suez Canal, went around India, you know, Sri Lanka, Andaman Islands, Vietnam, Thailand, Singapore, Hong Kong. And then we went down to, and we did the whole coasts of Australia and New Zealand. And then came back up and then I disembarked the ship. I only had a six month contract on that ship and I stayed on it for 11 because we kept going cool places. And I was like, why would I get off? I've got this great group of friends and the, and the best job to have on a cruise ship is the casino because it's not allowed to be open once you get out of international waters, which is about seven miles offshore. So whenever we'd come into port, sometimes, you know, massage therapists would have to stay and work or the hairdressers or, you know, some of the people, the waiters, some of the people would have to stay on board and at least have a skeleton staff on board for people if they didn't want to be off the ship. But the casino staff didn't have to stay at all. And we had three or four day turnarounds in between each cruise to give the, you know, air flights, but, but able to be, you know, disembark everybody and embark the new passengers. So my friends and I, we would just take our backpacks and we would go stay in hostels. So we were able to do that anytime we had a long turnaround. So um, it was a great way to get to see the world. And most of our, and because it was a world cruiser, you know, a lot of the times we would, we would arrive early in the morning and not leave until, you know, 11 o'clock at night or midnight in order to give people enough time to really go and see a country, you know, might be the only stop in that country we would have. So wow, it was amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's, that's yeah. a good tip for, you know, anyone that's wanting to work on a cruise ship is to work the casino so you can <laughs> actually yeah. see the different places <laughs> you are at. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Work in the casino. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, what a cool yeah. experience. Yeah. 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 It was. And then, and, and, you know, it was also, that was, it was because of my Greek background that I got that job. I guess what the the guy who did the hiring, he, you know, he came on board and took a cruise at one point and he said that he often lost the female passengers because there were so many Greek men on that ship that they would fall in love with somebody and then they would, they, they, they'd finish their contract and go get married and go stay in Greece. Cause we did spend a lot of time in the Greek islands as well. So that would have been he said, me. since you've already lived. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So since I'd already been there, done that, I, you know, I hadn't fallen in love with somebody, moved to an island, but I'd already lived in Greece enough that I, I wouldn't be swept away yeah. by someone. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And then I went and did a couple of ships in the Caribbean and those were like same thing every week. Mm. You know, I remember the first one I was on, it was Miami sea day, sea day, where you don't even get off the ship. Oh. And then, St. Thomas, Sea Day, St. Martin, Sea Day, Miami. Like there were two stops in the whole week and maybe a private island. But that was, that drove me crazy. I was on that ship for three months and my contract was six and I requested to, you know, 
get on a different ship. So I did three months on another ship and then I, and then I was done. I'd had enough. And then you stayed in St. Thomas, right? Yeah. Then I stayed. Yeah. Then I stayed in St. Thomas. Cause I was like, it's beautiful down here. I should live in St. Thomas for oh my a while. Gosh, yeah. My, um, and... my parents have been to St. John a lot and they finally brought oh, me yeah. along with them a few years ago. I was like, when, when do, oh, when yeah? do the kids get to come? <laughs> so, um, right. I've seen, yeah, I've seen that area and the water is the, like, just so clear and like this <laughs> turquoise. Oh, it's so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. It's different than Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii is beautiful as well, but I think it's more shallow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot more coral there and it's just, it's different and it is beautiful. Scuba diving was my big thing back then too. Both the, mm. My husband was a scuba instructor. That's how I met him. And and the guy that I dated in St. Thomas was also a scuba instructor (laughs) before my husband. We've all dated scuba instructors. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, cool. So, So when you travel now, do you, do you think you're kind of more comfortable in an international environment than like the average person that maybe hasn't grown up traveling a bunch? Probably. I, it's hard to know, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I also was fortunate. I got to go to school in France, my junior year, doing another exchange program in high school. So having immersed myself in, you know, different cultures, um, maybe I have more of a, I, I definitely desire to not look like a tourist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to not show up. Fanny pack being... map. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, map. yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. I, I do, I do really want to you know, adopt whatever is, you know, not looking like a, a tourist mm-hmm. wherever I go for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's harder depending on where you are, but yeah. Yeah. What does that look like for you to not look like a tourist? What do you do? <laughs> well, like you said, like, um, it's hard, you know, the last time I went to Europe, there's also like comfort too, you know, you also, if you're going to, there and touristy sites that, you know, I, last time I went was like 2019 and, you know, it was my husband and my two teenage children. Right. And we were, going to places I'd never been um, and going and seeing, we went to London and then Barcelona and then France. Um, And I'm not sure how to really do that. I think I still wanted to have comfortable tennis shoes on when we're going to go walk around all day and just go be a tourist, right? There's also just being a tourist, which is okay when you want to go to touristy, you know, sites and see them. but I think it's just trying to be really respectful and kind to everybody that you meet, mm-hmm. you know, trying to use the, you know, if you can, if you can say hello in that language and say thank you in that language, that was our thing in, on cruise ships was learning to say thank you in every country mm-hmm. so that, you know, I mean, we were obviously not locals everywhere we went, but if we could at least have the respect of learning how to say thank you, I think it just felt like something small to try to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a a great thing to do. Just, 
you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to know the whole alphabet and the whole, all the words, just picking out a few that, yeah, just thank you, hello, things like that. Or like, I, I always try and figure out what's like the respectful way to ask for something. <laughs> Cause in, you know, that's yes. different in different languages. And I don't, I don't want to be saying something that is going to sound like, Hey, give me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even though I'm sure they yes. understand, like, okay, they're, this isn't their language. But yeah, if it, the, the more respect I can show, then that's what I try to do. Yep, exactly, exactly. And you can still look like a tourist with a fanny pack and tennis yeah. shoes on. But if you're respectful, then it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And actually, fanny packs are really making a comeback. <laughs> I... I have one. Yes, they are. I and I love them <laughs> yeah. and I wear them I know. all the time. <laughs> they're, they make life really easy, especially when you, I mean, they're perfect for travel. And it's so funny that they went out of, out of style for mm -hmm. so long. I'm glad they're back yeah. too. <laughs> they make the most sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I have some questions that I... I think I sent to you before. Um, oh my gosh, yes. And I didn't really think too hard about okay. them. So I might not have answers for all of <laughs> them. <laughs> okay. um, well, we'll start with one that might be easier. Um, what are the top three okay. to five things that you always travel with? This one was one where I wish I had time to go back and listen to all of your other podcasts <laughs> so that I could, because I know people have really good answers and I really don't have anything very interesting to say about that, except for one thing, which is my Lark water bottle. Mm. Um, do you know about the Lark water no. bottle? Tell me more. It's, they're so cool. It's a water bottle that has a lid on it that you charge mm. and it cleans the water with UV light. Oh. And it really makes a difference. Um, we actually have one. <laughs> Yesterday, I actually had a friend over and she was like, can I try your water? Because I have the refrigerator with the filtered water, right? But then I have a pitcher, a Lark pitcher in my refrigerator. And I was joking and I was like, well, you want the good water. And she confirmed what I believe to be true, which is the water tastes so much better. So the water bottle comes with like a USB charger and I charge it about once a month. And then um, you just push the lid after you fill it with water and it the lid lights up a little bit while it's filtering the water and, and then it's better. And so, I mean, I haven't traveled outside the mainland in a long time. Um, I don't know that I would dip it into a stream and drink the water, but uh, supposedly you can. Um, hopefully I don't have to do that anytime soon though. So it just makes water taste really good. And then I'm not using plastic water bottles. I'll, I would put it in a hotel though, like in the sink, in the bathroom and, you know, filter that water and drink this it is, rather than buying water bottles. This bottle. is actually awesome because yeah, I'm, I'm a big water drinker and I always have my water bottle with mm -hmm. me. Like, even if I'm just mm -hmm. running errands, you know, like it's, it's just always with me and yeah, sometimes if you're at like a hotel or um, in another city or, you know, traveling somewhere that you only have yeah. access to tap water, 
And even if it's fine to drink, like, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes it tastes weird and I don't like that. So <laughs> I, I'm going to, it's L-A-R-K. L-A-R-Q. Okay. I'm going to look it up. Yep. Yep. Great. I think they were um, Shark Tank winners. Oh. I've seen little ads, you know, I get ads because I bought their their thing, I think. Um, and uh, I, yeah, so they can, I will they can sponsor me. I will sponsor them. I don't know what I mean. All right, Lark. This, this is, is my ad. This is for you. <laughs> hey, I'll vouch for you. Be sure and hashtag them. I will. I will. Uh, yeah. Do you have any recommendations of travel books or like even personal development books? Well, I'm glad you had <laughs> travel or personal <laughs> development because I have no travel books. <laughs> I no, unfortunately, I don't have any travel books, although I should maybe look into some travel books. But personal development, yeah. Um, well, or person or just interesting, of course, many lives, many masters. Mm-hmm. You said you just you just read it recently. Yeah, yeah. changed changed yeah. my life. <laughs> I mean, not as much as. It did okay, yours, well, let's recommend yeah. <laughs> that. That's a good one. <laughs> let's recommend that yeah. one for sure. Um, and then another one that I really like, and I have to look over at my bookshelf here, is called It Didn't Start With You, which is kind of on that same lines, but it's about sort of genetic, like we were talking about past lives, but then genetic, and it doesn't have to be trauma, but just genetic behaviors you know, is your personality, your, you know, nurture or nature, right? There's so, um, there's, it it talks about looking at your, you know, what's happening today, things that you want to change, and then getting curious about what, is there, was there something similar in your parents' history or in your grandparents? Um, you know, there's just kind of looking back at, at that. And like, it's, it's kind of a, the end of the book turns a little bit, there's a lot of exercises, right? Like making lists and taking note of things and then talking to family members and trying to understand what you could be going through that really isn't even yours. Mm -hmm. And then how you can heal from that. So that's a cool book. That sounds intense in a good way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, if you could travel with anyone alive or dead, who would it be? You know, really just my husband and my kids. (laughs) I just, they're the only, I mean, traveling with friends and stuff. I don't know. There, there isn't, you know, anybody outside of my circle that I would, I, I don't, there really isn't anybody that I'm like, oh, I want to spend a bunch of time with that person. I mean, maybe, but yeah, off the top of my head, I just, my kids are 19 and 22 now. And so I just want to take them on trips yeah. and still do our family vacations together and stuff like that. I just love being with them because I don't get to see them all the time now because they live on the mainland and I, I'm still in Hawaii. Aww. Well, I love that. So. That's a great answer. My kids. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um what's the next trip you have planned 
The next trip I have planned is all, and I know you've lived in Hawaii, so I think you probably know how this is. It's um, in a couple of weeks, my husband has a good friend from college who's getting married and they're getting married in Puerto Vallarta. So it's a five day or four day sort of all inclusive at this little boutique hotel in Puerto Vallarta. But of course, from Hawaii, we're not just going to fly to Puerto Vallarta and fly home. We're going to go to California and spend a couple of days. And then we're going to, and then we're, since we're so close to Colorado from Puerto Vallarta, we'll pop up there <laughs> and because our son is in Colorado and then my in-laws are in Ohio. Oh. So we're going to go to Ohio and then we'll come home. What part yeah. of Ohio? My husband's from Ohio outside of Cleveland. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 I know you're in... You're in Ohio yeah. as well, right? Yep. Cool. Yeah. Cincinnati? Cincinnati? Yes. Yeah. How far is that? How I don't know how far Cincinnati is from Cleveland. I've never been it's there. It's like four hour drive. Yeah. Okay. So, not bad. Yeah. Yeah. We're only going to be there for like three days, I think. You know, I have to get back because we have these, a dog and a cat and the people that are watching them can't stay any longer. So... <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so LA, Puerto Vallarta, Colorado, Ohio, back home. That's the next yeah, trip. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Last yeah. question. What what okay. are the top three countries you recommend visiting? Recommend. Um let's see. I think Japan. Mm. I've only been there once. Japan, Tokyo, I think is fascinating and really fun. Um, <laughs> I want to recommend Greece, but also I know they're so overrun with tourists oh, lately. <laughs> really? But of course, Greece is amazing. Yeah, I think, I mean, not that they're overrun, but they've just had a lot of tourism, which is, I'm sure, on in many ways good for the economy as well so greece yeah go visit greece it's amazing and um i don't know i i, I kind of want to say southeast asian countries like thailand and vietnam i think are really amazing to go visit um also australia new zealand i mean yeah, yeah i, I those there's there's five yeah, or six recommendations for you. <laughs> I actually really want to visit Japan. I okay. There's two reasons. I have kind of yeah. a fascination with waste management, <laughs> and I've heard that oh, Japan's fantastic. waste management system is like impeccable and very unique. And I just want to see it wow. in action. <laughs> I wish I would have known that in order to pay more attention when I was there, <laughs> you know, I was there like, probably like 2016 or 2017, just for a week. Um, and I, I remember it being extremely clean, but I'm trying to remember what their waste management looked like, at least from the, you know, what you could see from the streets. But yeah. Whenever I go and visit, I'll, I'll let you know all about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let me know. My husband used to go there for business like almost every month. And I'm going to ask him about it oh, now. Yeah. See, if, see if he knows anything about that. I don't remember him talking about it, but I'll ask him because he will, you know, he'll remember like within the hotel, you know, like mm -hmm. what what that looked like. Yeah. And <laughs> but, yeah. And then 
I just read this book called Ikigai, which is about it's a it's a Japanese word that means basically like your purpose in life. And the book is it kind of goes into the blue zones of the world and Okinawa is like kind of the top blue zone. And so the the writers mm-hmm. went there to kind of explore what these people have that gives them such a long life and like a healthy long life. And it went into like, they have a purpose. They have a reason for getting up every day and they have a community, like a strong built community that they use for support. They do um, like gardening and walks just like low, low impact movement every day and they're outside it was just like the most simple things that makes a huge impact on their lives and I like I'm so fascinated by it that I want to create a program for my clients like based around those concepts yeah yeah so I think it would be cool to go there I love that yeah see like experience that culture Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. I think that's what, I think so many people want that right now. Just the slowing down, just having simple connection for some reason, going, going back to Greece, you know, my, we would get up the kids and we would sort of wait until like three o'clock when we could go to the beach. And this was just like super lazy time. There was nothing to do. My, and my aunt would be my aunt and my my cousin's grandmother, you know, she, she wasn't the grandmother on my side. They would be like sitting and picking the ends off mounds of green beans. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why. that's what, you know, like the, like, you know, the little oh. stringy ends off yeah. of green beans and they would make a big pot of Greek green beans and, or like cooking things, just, you know, just the things that you have to do that I think we do things faster now, you know, we just like, get it done. Right. And she would spend, I think my aunt basically would spend the whole morning with her mother-in-law making lunch and dinner, you know, and it was just so simple. And yes, I mean, that's, that's, that's actually that exact feeling of slowness and you're really connected with yourself when there's no distractions, Mm -hmm. you know, and even though it was boring, it was, amazing to just be like let's just go play in the dirt because there's nothing else to do or sit here and play pickup sticks for hours because there's nothing else to do and I miss that like my it's like my soul craves that you know and I can I can yeah especially when it when I when a place has systems like that set up I think even and I would imagine that they would find this in Okinawa as well I've never been there but the way this village was set up in Mykonos, there was a village center mm-hmm. where everybody went and all the families went and you could be an old person, you could be a young person, you could be a parent, you could be a toddler or a teenager. And everybody was together, but doing their own thing mm-hmm. all night long. You know, they'd go up there at like eight or nine o'clock to have dinner and then just sit until two o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and sleep in the next morning then go to the beach for a little bit and then go back up to that, that town center. And um, there's just something about that, right? That we don't, we've lost. Yeah. Yeah. There's, we got to go back to yeah. the simpler ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, great. That, I feel like that was such a good thing to end on. 
That was a nice message for the oh, audience. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I felt bad circling it back to me when you were talking. No, no, that <laughs> was okay. perfect. I mean, this is for the guest. Okay. This is about you anyway. <laughs> um, Which is super hard for me. I just want to keep asking you questions. <laughs> well, you've done great. <laughs> I'm not used to <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it was so much fun. I am so inspired to travel to Greece right now. Well, kind well, I mean, it, even, <laughs> I don't know, you just said it was a little over, there's a little bit of over tourism happening right I, now, but. <laughs> that's all right. It's okay. You okay. can still go. Go, you know, it, it's the, the, the height of the summer months, I think is really crowded. But the, you know, if you go in the spring or in the fall, it's beautiful and it's not quite as is, is, especially if you're going to go to like Santorini or Mykonos, you know, there's like a hundred other islands you could go yes. to that aren't as, you know, not everybody wants to go to, or everybody wants to go to Santorini and Mykonos. Mm -hmm. So I think, it's, and you're going to get more of an authentic experience in the height of the summer on a smaller mm -hmm. island. So, and there's many, 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 many to yeah. choose from. And mainland Athens and mainland Greece is beautiful too. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't been. You've been so many places. <laughs> Maybe this is the year. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, do did you get your Instagram up and running? <laughs> uh, no, I'm still trying to pick a name. Okay. <laughs> I keep changing it every day. So no, I mean I have my Instagram, and yes, there is a there is a work Instagram. I mean my Instagram is. Gina Cargile, I think. Gina underscore Cargile. And my work one is Gina Cargile underscore healing. And my and my website, okay. which is all actually has current stuff on it, unlike my Instagram. Um, the website is Gina-Cargile.com. Okay. I'll I'll put all yeah. of this in the, the notes as well so people can look there. Um, cool. cool. I hope you liked everything about that episode. And if you did like the episode, then please leave a review and some stars, hopefully five. And if you didn't like it, then please don't leave a review. <laughs> um, you can catch new episodes here on Spotify every Tuesday. And I look forward to you hearing the next one.